You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Mark. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Horse Fireside Chat number five. I think that sounds right. Yes. Uh, there's only two of us here. I Pretty much you can tell who the other guy is by his voice. <laughs> but he is the master of the dual screens, Steven. What's up, Tricky? How's What's everything up, going? I'm, I'm Tricky, Mick. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better now that I've schooled you guys in uh, which is a better game. Mm, there'll, there'll be no schooling. There, there was no schooling, just like just like high school. I didn't pay attention, and I'm just gonna have to go to summer school anyway. What we are referring to is yes, holy shit, we recorded a spoilers. Whether that actually sees the light of day is still yet to be determined, <laughs> but yes, we did record a spoilers. Man, that spoilers was uh, uh, for. Let's do this proper. Um, we don't have everybody here. Uh, Alex has uh, made plans and was unable to record on Sunday. We are actually recording on a Saturday. And uh, tomorrow, Sunday, uh, is actually SummerSlam. So Yield has forso- forsaken his recording obligations to go watch uh, the demon Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Which... it's also my son's second birthday, so I really didn't want to miss that either. <laughs> Yes, because you've missed uh, how many Trophy Horse episodes already? Uh, since being an official host, I have missed, I believe, two. E- every episode. <laughs> yeah, two of the four. <laughs> um, but for people that haven't heard you, uh, you are not a new daddy, but you are a you have a new addition to your family. Yes, I'm a born again daddy. Um, born again. Yeah, my wife gave birth to our daughter, uh, Penelope. Uh, it'll sweet be th- Mama P. Yeah, Sweet Mama P. Uh, it will be three weeks ago on. I think she'll be three weeks old. I think on Monday. I don't remember because I went to the hospital one day and then two days later I went home, or three days later I went home. So, the days are all screwy. But on uh, on the thirty first of July, we welcomed a new baby. So that kind of threw my life into a little bit of chaos. I have family from uh, her family from all over the country visiting. Uh, every week, basically, um, my mother-in-law stayed with me. Now my sister-in-law staying with me. So it's been tough pinning myself down so that I could actually record. So I do apologize to the listeners who clearly the only reason why they tune into Trophy Horse is for me, obviously. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we, we we survived 300 plus episodes without you. Yeah, yeah, true. And, and the only constant in that 300 episodes is myself. Truth be told, I think I came along. I was a guest on it was Fireside Chat. I think two. I'm pretty sure it was number two. It was either two or three, and it was actually it would have been. Technically speaking, it was actually the 300th episode, but you didn't record episode 300 yet because you wanted to get everybody together, so it became a Fireside Chat instead. So technically. I could yeah, have we, been we, on the 300. We did. Actually. I think. I think we did three or four fireside chats. Right. In in leading up to 300. So technically, right. if you were on the second one, that technically would have been 301. Yeah. Right, okay. 30, 301. Yeah. 
And then I think so. I was on the actual official 301, the numbered 301. That's very possible. I, yeah. I'm, I'm lost. Yeah, so that, uh, that was my official first Trophy Horrors episode. So the way a fireside chat works is we just – there's no agenda. There's no topics. We just get on and bullshit. And, you know, truth behind the curtain is we have obligations with iHeartRadio to put out a show, uh, at least one show every two weeks. So uh, to fulfill that obligation is – we had to put out audio. So we like what we like to do is we like to do these fireside chats because it, it gives you guys a, um, a view behind the curtain of what we have to deal with and what we, you know, how we really feel because on trophy horrors, there's a, I'm not going to say this is an obligation to do the show in a certain way, but I think we all feel like we have to be the best professional of ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're kind of playing a part. Um, right. We we have our roles on that show. Um, we all bring something different to the table, but in this sense, we're a little bit more ourselves uh, in a fireside chat. We can kind of just relax a little bit. We're not trying to be, you know, j- journalists, and you know, we're not trying to give you the scoop and our opinion on the news and stuff like that. It's more, let's just shoot the breeze, get to know us a little better. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about the kind of funny community is that. Everybody kind of, you feel like you know them because of all the content they do that isn't on a professional level. It's more like they're just being goof goofballs and you kind of get to know them and you do feel like you know them in a very personal level. And uh, we don't get too personal here in Fireside, but, you know, I, I'm kind of an open book. I don't I don't mind, but it's a, just a little bit of myself. Yeah, it's a little way to just get to know. And I also know and I also notice on Trophy Horse proper episodes that. Uh, I, you guys really don't get my opinions about things too often because I'm the one that has to, you know, set the topics, read the agenda, and you know, at, at by the time I'm done, uh, as Alex says, reading the article, uh, <laughs> they they the the other hosts they te- they tend to have the conversation and I interject somewhat. But a lot of times, like, my mind during those shows is... You're a referee almost. Yeah, we we spent 10 minutes on this topic. We got to move on. Right. You're like like a referee or an umpire and whatever. Yeah, so the last couple episodes where Alex was hosting, um, it kind of let me lay back and just say, you know what? Screw it. Let uh, Let me voice my opinions on some things. And uh, what I was referring to before about school and Steven is we actually just record the spoilers. Uh, like I said, if that actually sees the light of day, hopefully it will. But um, what I basically want to do is just, you know, Steven, you, you came into the Trophy Horse family fairly late. I mean, we're six years into shows by the time you joined. Mm-hmm. Um you were on, I believe, if I remember correctly, you were on the infamous episode, which uh, ultimately uh, a lot of people say was our worst episode, which uh, which is the the Rangers slam cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we constantly, and I mean constantly, got uh, put down about our love for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but for anybody that doesn't know, uh, a little, uh, shameless plug is I actually started a fantasy hockey league, uh, because the, 
Homer, uh, which is uh, Yield's brother, uh, has forced me to do fantasy football for the last two years. And I was going to bow out this year uh, because my heart really isn't into football. My heart is hot. Excuse me. Oh, look, something you don't have to edit out. Um, uh, my heart is in the hockey. So I, my deal with them was that if I was going to do fancy football this year, they all had to do fancy hockey. So they all agreed. And so now we're going to do a fancy hockey league, which obviously Steven, you're invited. Yeah, I I saw that. I'm definitely going to join that. That sounds like fun. And, uh, you know, any listeners can join in too. Um, but let, let's start with this, like, how big of a Rangers fan are you, so to speak? I mean, like... So, it, the the only disappointing thing about my Rangers story is is the time that I became a Rangers fan because it makes me sound a lot like I was, you know, a front runner. But in my family, there was... One side of my family was big into, into hockey and the Rangers, but that was the side of the family I didn't see very often. And the other side of the family was um more baseball so i didn't really hockey wasn't in my life until that stanley cup run then the other side of the family would come to brooklyn they would come over we would watch playoff games i didn't really understand what was going on but by the end of it you kind of felt that magic um oh yeah and then from then on it became the only way i could describe it is it's it's a disease oh yeah like the way you i mean when I hear people talk about college football and their their allegiance to their college football team, like it's, I I, I smile about it because a I don't understand the love for college sports, but I, I I feel that way for both my baseball team and my my hockey team. But the hockey thing, to to say that I'm I'm not I'm not like one of those encyclopedia type fans. Like I can't name every player to every ever wear the uniform, but. I could tell you the amount of times that I've been physically ill over a loss. Um, I could tell you every, I think I've said this story on, on the show before, but there were times where I would go to the games. Um, I, th- I was in f- fifth grade, so I was 10. We went. I went to two games. It was a back-to-back at the Garden, and I dressed up as Mike Richter. I had the whole, uh, the whole thing, pads and everything, um, helmet. The whole nine yards. I have a picture of it somewhere, actually. Um, I'll show it to you. Hang on. Ugh. I'll vamp while you're gone. Uh, yeah, I actually fell in love with the Rangers as well uh, early in the 90s. I mean, I was uh, I started playing, and uh, my great-uncle, who is my grandmother's brother, he was a Rangers fan, and my grandmother was a Devils fan, Uh you know, we all can't make good choices, Grandma. Mm-mm. I love you, though. Uh, but I became, you know, when I started watching hockey a lot, I started uh, I started rooting for the Rangers because I was, you know, I was a New York boy, you know. And God forbid I, you know, even think of trying to be a, a an Islanders fan. That's just blasphemy in this household. You know, and it's weird because my lineage, as far as baseball goes, I should be an Islanders fan because I'm a Mets fan. Like that's like the way it goes. You're if you're a Mets fan, you're an Islanders fan and a Jets fan, but I'm the opposite. I choose the Mets and Rangers and Giants, so it's it's really weird. But if you could, I know the listeners can't see this, but if you look at this picture, um, that's me and Mike Richter. He autographed it because I went to the back-to-back game. So I'm dressed up as a goalie, and I was called Rockin' Richter. And what I did back then, before they remodeled the Garden, it had 
the space where you could walk around the whole the whole garden. It was the the concourse. You could walk around it while you're watching the game, and they would have these, you know, da- you know, Dancing Larry. Dancing Larry is this bald guy that yes. is at every game, and he dances to pump the crowd up in the third period. Well, back in those days, this was like 1997. He he was a fixture, but he wasn't like he wasn't brought down to the bottom. They would p- take the camera, find him all the way up in his seats, up in like the 400s. Right, they weren't making him a featured right. part of the game. They would find him, and they would say, oh, look, he's dancing, and then he would dance, and everybody would go crazy. So the game that I went to, I would run around the concourse and just dance my my ass off. Like I would take off my jersey. I would be mm-hmm. spinning it around. I would, people were going nuts. I would, you know, pumping the crowd up. I was like an unofficial mascot. And during the third period, the famous song that he dances to comes on, and they show him on the thing and and I'm just dancing because whatever I I danced at at all the breaks and I look up and my guy that took me to the game he's like he was like my cousin's friend whatever boyfriend I don't don't remember at the time but he's pointing at the screen and I'm looking at the screen and they're cutting between me and dancing Larry they're going between (laughs) the two of us and the crowd is going bananas when I'm dancing and then they're they'll be a little bit quieter for him and they go crazy when when I'm dancing so we actually have a dance off um during the game. Did, so Did you win? I did win. I got the fan of the game. They gave me like this whole big package with like all these little tchotchkes in it, like Ranger stuff. Um, and so when we went to the game the next day, so after the game, I waited outside and then Richter actually noticed me. He said, hey, you're, you're the kid that was running around like a maniac. I was, yeah, whatever. So I met my hero because he was my hero. He yes. took a picture with me. And the next day I went back and then I, I was doing my regular dancing thing. Only this time during a break... Dancing Larry wasn't dancing, and it was just me. And I saw myself on the jumbotron. I'm like, "Oh, this is this is cool. Like, I'm I'm like the fixture." And then the guy that took me the day before also took me that game, and he points down to the ice, and I look down at the ice, and all the players are not are doing absolutely nothing, but they're looking straight up at me dancing in Madison Square Garden <laughs> up in, in the concourse. And I just, I remember just looking down and seeing all those faces just in the door, like they're leaning on their sticks, just looking up. All the guys on the bench are leaning over the bench, looking up at me in the concourse. And I just, it, like from that point, like I was crazy about them by then, but like at that point I realized like it, it's, that's, that, that's my, that's part of my blood now. Like this is something I'll never forget. And after the game, I met Richter again. He signed the picture that we took the night, the night before. Uh, he signed, uh, have like one of those rookie card things like in, that comes in the plaque. Um, he signed one of those, um, but yeah, and, and since then, like as a kid, I would go to all the games and meet all the players, uh, uh, the Gretzky teams. Like I met uh, Gretzky Aww. before. Like I met all those guys. Like they, we, my cousin used to work at Madison Square Garden, and uh, she would have us wait outside the green room. So like there was one year that I met Leach, Messier, uh, Kovalev, Graves, Bukaboom, like all of them, like all those guys. And there was one, Messier left, and we got him to sign everything. But I think it was either me or my brother was in the bathroom, so we didn't get Messier's signature. It was, like, heartbreaking. But he came back, like, three hours later to, like, I, I don't know, to do whatever. Maybe he was doing interviews or I don't know. He came back, and he as soon as the elevator opened, he looked, and he saw us in, in the hallway. He's like, you guys are still here? Like, yeah. And he's like, did I miss anybody? Like, he offered. He's like, did I miss anybody? We're like, yeah, actually, you missed him. And got the the autographs and stuff so it's there it's moments like that that uh you know as bad as they've been over the over the years like 
the late 90s into the early 2000s as, as heartbreaking as playoff runs have been for us um it doesn't matter one, because of that those one against the kings is still it, it still burns me never i'll never like, forget where i was too i was working i was uh managing outback steakhouse on 23rd uh 23rd street in manhattan uh and i was supposed to be like you know like closing the restaurant but i refused to shut the tv off at the bar because it was late it was like three overtimes in right and i'm just watching it and i have my arms crossed and i'm just i'm like swaying back and forth watching this game and as soon as that shot went over lundquist lundquist shoulders like that that was the that was probably the first time that i got physically ill um what like with the result of a game you know what what made me upset because I, I i haven't gotten physically ill with a game yet what got me upset about that was just not so much that the rangers lost but just like when that puck went in to close out the stanley cup for the kings Lundquist is laying on the ice face down not moving and you could just, you know that, like, if you're a true Ranger fan, you know, a lot of people say Lundqvist is not a good goalie. They're out of their damn minds. That guy, that he's phenomenal. And he deserves a cup. And yeah. when that puck went in, you just knew he did nothing wrong in that situation. He was just, like, the position of those players, there was nothing he could do. And it was so heartbreaking because he deserves a cup. Yeah, and they lost three games in overtime. That whole that, right, that cup. Three, three of those games went to double overtime. Yeah, and like, I'm not gonna make excuses, but there are fans out there that will say the same thing I'm about to say, and they'll say, "Oh, well, you're just saying that because it's your team." There was a lot of bad calls in that series. Yeah, and the one that sticks out to my mind to this day is the one where Zuccarello got a tripping call, but he's the one that hit the ice. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then they they not only did they tie the game up by scoring a goal right then, but they also got a goal on that power play yep. to tie the game up. And they also got a goal on a blatant offside. I remember that. Right. That was that. I think that was the one. The game you were referring to was the game that we were up by two, right? And then they tied we, it and went into overtime, and then we lost in overtime. Yeah, we were yeah. we were we were winning two nothing, and then they tied it up. Yeah, that was miserable. But then, it, there, it but just, then there's moments like when uh, Brad Richards scores with point like zero six seconds yeah. left in the game, and then we go to overtime and we win. So, just stuff it, like it, that. It's like like my love of hockey is just it's so pure because um, I actually was well. I see when I tell this story. There's a lot of explaining that has to be done. Um, between my junior and senior year of high school is when I really started playing hockey, and I was a goalie. Me too. And just out of shits and giggles, um, there was a local team down in Virginia, because uh, that's where I went to high school. Uh, at the time, they were an ECHL team, which is... Uh, for anybody that doesn't know what ECHL, that's two steps below the a the NHL. You have the NHL, you have the AHL, and then you have the ECHL. And at the time, there the ECHL t team was the Hampton Roads Admirals, and they were the affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. 
And just for shits and giggles, I went to an open tryout, and I actually made third string uh, goalie for the team. And they offered me a contract to play, and I actually turned down the contract because my intention was not to become a professional hockey player. I just wanted to see how good I was. Hmm. But essentially, I could have been a third string ECHL goalie. Yeah. So, and then you know, as you know, as time went on, I went back to high school. Uh, an army recruiter found me, and that was the end of my hockey career. Oh, you you were in the military? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. I actually. That leads to an, another story. Um, you ever see the movie Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito? Of course. Okay. Um, I went to. Uh, I went to basic training at Fort Jackson which is in South Carolina. Uh, that's where they actually filmed Renaissance Man. If you remember the movie correct, uh, you know, accurately, there's a scene where Danny DeVito goes up onto Victory Tower, in which that's the where they have to climb the ropes, the, the rope bridge and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, there's a scene where Danny DeVito is coming off of Victory Tower uh, and he's repelling off the wall. When Danny DeVito is actually coming off the wall, I'm actually the guy at the bottom holding the rope, making sure he's safe. Oh, wow. And then and then they actually, you know, they filmed it to one of the actors actually holding the rope. But when he's actually coming off Victory Tower, I'm the one holding the rope because they didn't trust an actor to do it. Right. That's, um, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and Victory Tower was a, a, a pain in the ass for me because I'm scared of heights. Yeah, me too. And, uh... My my drill one of my drill sergeants because I had two drill sergeants. Uh, one of my drill sergeants was an airborne ranger, who did not accept uh, a fear of heights as a valuable excuse. So they told me I had two ways to come off of Victory Tower. I could either repel like you know, feet first and come down slowly, or I could just jump off. <laughs> and um, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, what you got to understand, and anybody that climbs, does rock climbing, or you know, does any repelling like that, you you wear this harness, and you have you put a hand behind your back, and I'm I'm doing this on camera, but I'm actually sitting in a chair. Um, if if your hands out, you could fall straight down, like free fall, but all you do is you if you're holding that rope, if you put your hand behind your back, right to the small of your back, you stop on a dime. I mean, you could get whiplash depending hmm. on how fast you're going. Um, so my drill sergeant told me I had two ways to come off this tower, and I was not willing to take it slow. So I said, fuck it, jumped off, head first, <laughs> got about within, I'd say, seven feet of the ground, put my hand behind my back, my feet flipped around, and the next thing I do, I was sitting on the ground, my, my drill sergeant goes, and you scared, said you were scared of heights. I said, I am. That's why I'm going to go over there and puke right now. <laughs> Yeah. Nah, I I'm terrified but of back to, Yeah, but getting back to hockey, like uh, the 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 thing with hockey fans is if you if you actually played the game, it, it's so you can actually see the stuff. Like uh, yeah, it, it the game is so much more alive to me when I'm uh, when I'm watching a game, and even uh, as Steven said, like we've known each other for two years, but we really didn't start talking until 
I guess what a, a month at, at, until the end of the regular season. Yeah, it was like year? October. No, not October. Um, uh, it was like late April. Yeah. Late so we, we we yeah. So you know, and it was funny because I like I jokingly said to Stephen one night, he's like, "Hey, do you want to be my uh, my commentator?" Because I work, I can't you know drive uh, the garbage trucks. I I'm not allowed to listen to the radio, which I I occasionally do. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but I definitely can't watch the games. But it's uh, so I had Stephen be my uh, my commentator. He would sit on Facebook Messenger and he would give me the play by play, and it, that's how me and Stephen really started talking. And then that's how we became friends. And you know, long story short, that's how he became a host of Trophy Wars and got involved with Proving Gamer and all that stuff. But uh, so I want to give a huge shout out to you because if podcasting and video game journalism doesn't work out for you you definitely have a career as an espn.com uh play-by-play man yeah it's see those websites those apps and stuff that like follow the score and like all that that's the thing they're missing they're missing the flavor they're missing the the love of the game it's very robotic and for me it was more about reporting what what (coughs) what i what we were feeling when watching the game like what what i feel like you would be feeling if you were watching this. Yeah, because what, what I would get is, McDonough takes a penalty. That's such bullshit! <laughs> yeah, like, I, I would say, it's bullshit. <laughs> Replay shows it's bullshit. Or, like, there was one case where it was, like, uh, I think it was a goal, and it was called back, and I was like, oh, that was bullshit, that was a goal, and then they showed the replay and be like, nah, it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a goal. Like, no, they totally <laughs> wasn't a goal. But, no, like, just... The, the overall atmosphere of those, especially playoff games, because they were absolutely bananas, but, like, being able to convey how, what was going on in the game outside of, like, oh, that's offside, oh, that's whatever. I would tell you, it, it's a power play. A minute 30 in the power play. We got two shots in the power play so far. Uh, a minute 15 left in the power play. Four minutes left in the period. Uh, you know, uh, we're catching yeah. them deep. We're we're you, we're you, working you the very, cycle. We're you know like yeah. You were de- you were very detailed. Yeah, and and that and that's kind of my point is like when somebody does something like that, and you're you have an understanding of the game uh, like I do, and I'm not putting down you're not understanding the game. What I'm saying is no, I know, when you I understand know. the game yeah. the way I do, uh, even like listen to the game on the radio, I can actually visualize the entire game. If the commentary is good, I can. They say like, "Oh, shot, you know, shot blocked off." One quest, uh, it 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 bounces off him to the left. I can actually see the game, and they say puck picked up by Zuccarello. I can actually see him skating down the ice, and that's why I love the game so much. Is because I'm so passionate about it. There's a uh, there's a commentator. He does um, Islanders games, but he also does Mets baseball games. Is it's Howie Rose? And he's always been the guy that I, I, I think he's the best radio play-by-play guy. Are you sure it's not Tim McCarver? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Howie Rose paints a picture with his words to the point where you can tell, like, how sweaty a player can be. Like, and that, that, that that's kind of what, like, one of the things I would say. I was like, okay, uh, shot from the point, kicked it by Lundquist, it's in the corner. We have cement in our shoes uh, you know, you know we're tired. Right, you know, you're like you could, you can tell like they're tired. They're, you he know, he knows them. he knows the right words to say to convey the point. Right, but it, like cement and shoes, you understand exactly what that means. Yeah, 
It was a tough thing to do because I'm watching the game, but simultaneously looking down at my phone. Um, yeah, see, that's that's a, that's also what I felt bad about. It's like I, I was like, you know, he's doing such a great job for me. Is he actually watching the game, or is he just, well, you know, what is he missing typing this to me right what now? What I would do sometimes is if a crazy play happened, I would wait until, it, it, like, if it was a puck that was getting cleared or whatever, like, afterward, I would wait until it was a little dead, catch you all up of what, ju- what the hell just right. happened, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes I wouldn't get an update for 10 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? If nothing was going on, I, I, if it was just back and forth bullshit hockey, then, you know, or a conservative game, I would say, you know, they're playing conservative. They're doing a dump and chase. It's not really working, uh, you know, stuff like that. But uh, All right. So let, let's transition off of hockey here because uh, we know that Kalai is listening to this right now, and she's probably trying to blow her brains out. Oh, I had no because, idea. Well, She's not actually listening as we record this. What I'm saying is she's going to listen to this when it gets posted to iTunes. Oh, okay. Or, excuse me, not iTunes. Apple, Apple Podcast. Podcast. Get it right. Um, so, actually, I have a question for you, Tricky. Sure. Um, so, we, we know that you are a PlayStation fanboy, and that's that we wear – both of us really wear that on our sleeves. I've been, I've been giving – I've been sp- spending a lot of my time with Nintendo. I have the podcast that's part – that's 50% of the reason why I am uh, putting myself back in Nintendo's shoes, but my heart has been in the PlayStation ecosystem, in the PlayStation disk drive since, like, 1997. Um, okay. So, I would like to hear your story on that. So, I feel like the, your military experience, I know that a lot of a lot of military people pick their pick their loyalty at that time um like a friend for example a friend of mine military and he was what they had in their barracks or whatever it was was an xbox 360 so right he grew up with halo gears of war call of duty like that's and madden like that's what they played um right. and when he came back here that's all he knew so he's always been leaning a little bit towards xbox anyway I, that's neither here nor there but my question to you is what where did it start for you how did you how did you what what was your first playstation experience and what was the playstation experience that made you the playstation fanboy or or playstation fan or whatever you want to call it that you are today well uh okay it my military had nothing to do with it uh my love of playstation started with I think and this is I, I feel is a lot of people's answers is Metal Gear Solid 1. That game to me like totally changed my life. And I say that in a good way because of the fact that before then um at that time I I, I really did not know the term fanboy. Like they it it was not in my v- vernacular. But if you want to say anything I was a Nintendo fanboy. Like, I, I grew up on Nintendo. Nintendo was my thing. Uh, excuse me. My mother owned a Genesis, and I played a lot of games on the Genesis, but my heart was always with Nintendo. I was a Mega Man fan. I was a, you know, a, a Metal Gear fan. Um, you know, I played the original ones, Mario Brothers, Zelda. Uh, Zelda, to this day, still holds a very special place in my heart. Um 
but what got me to the PlayStation was Metal Gear Solid 1. Like, that game changed my life. And when the PlayStation 2 came out, I bought that day one. Um, and then, you know, at that time is when Xbox was trying to um, jump into the gamer market. And I'm, I'm very loyal uh, in the aspect of uh, when Xbox came out, um, a lot of my friends said, hey, we should go get an Xbox. And I said, Microsoft can't even get fucking Windows right. What do you, what do you think they're going to do with a gaming console? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason why I never bought an Xbox. Um, and then 360 came out and, you know, I looked at it objectively and I said, what's on the Xbox compared to what's compared on Sony? And the only thing that the Xbox had that I wanted to play was Gears of War. Yeah. Like, I'm not a first-person shooter guy, so Halo never appealed to me at all. Um, but my love of PlayStation started with Metal Gear Solid 1 and it stuck around because... And I, and I say this a lot when I'm involved in uh, console war debates. And I, and, I, and I say this, and I mean this 100%. No matter what console you like, play your console. Who the fuck cares who else says anything else about your console? But my personal feeling of why I will always stay Sony over Microsoft is one simple fact. Microsoft is a software company. Sony is a hardware company. Sony's always going to make the better system. Microsoft is always going to have the better software party chat uh infrastructure the ui even though arguably you could say right now the xbox one ui is garbage you could say that uh the xbox one is lacking in uh a lot of things um i i really do wish xbox would step up their game and give us exclusives um but when you get games like Uncharted, Ratchet and Clank, um, The Last of Us, Bloodborne. Bloodborne. When you get games like that and they're only available on the system of of PlayStation, like that is thing. And I think recently with Microsoft making the choice to say that their games are not only going to come out on the Xbox One, but they're also going to come out on PC. I think that's a major, major mistake because. Anybody that's in the gaming world right now, these computers are getting bigger and better. And, you know, you can go get a top of the line uh, computer right now and spend two or three grand. But you could also go get a decent laptop or a decent desktop and be able to play all these games. And, you know, the fact that the PC can be upgraded where an Xbox or a PlayStation essentially can't be upgraded is is, is a major flaw in Microsoft's. Thing, so when I look at the overall scope of things, that's why I'm a Sony fanboy. But ultimately, what got me in was Metal Gear. Yeah, it's a very similar. I mean, the Metal Gear part. So when I was a kid, um, my brother's friend, Nikki, he lived on the corner. He had this thing called the PlayStation. I never even heard of it. I wasn't reading magazines at that point. This was got to be 1996 or whatever. 
again i'm like nine ten years old anyway so he's got this playstation and one day he brings it over so that him and my brother can play together and they're playing like tekken or whatever they're playing and i just was i remember watching them play and i didn't get to play um you know they were my brother's older than me he was being a big brother he wasn't letting his little brother play whatever so when i would see nikki on the street i would say hey i want to i want to play station you know i was making a pun on the words because i was nine and stupid so he was like, all right, you know what? One day you'll come over and we'll play. So I did. He invited me over. I played. I got to hold a controller in my hand. We played tech and he kicked my ass. But I, re- I always said, you know what? I really want that system. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know any of the ge- other games for it. I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing about it. So that Christmas, Christmas of 97, um, I received PlayStation, uh, which was insane. It was the first console that was ever a gift for me yours yeah my brother got all the all the nintendos and stuff i grew up a nintendo nintendo kid i was all about nintendo i also had a genesis and uh sega cd and all that stuff but i was a, a nintendo guy but anyway um I, I gotta cut you off a second i just gotta ask were you ever a turbo graphics 16 guy no we didn't have turbo graphics we did have my grandfather did have a intellivision and an atari 2600 so I did. Yeah, I I, I had both play, of those too. Yeah, I played those a lot. Um, so I got play, PlayStation, and I got Soviet Strike, and NHL Face Off '97. Oh, those are the two games I got, and oh. we like we played the hell out of it. And then I, I I don't remember when I got it, but I again I got, you know I played games like Croc. I mean that was built for a nine ten year old like. I played all those weird games. Crash Bandicoot played all those. Um, uh, but I remember popping in Metal Gear Solid, not knowing, a, having a clue what I was getting myself into, and seeing, like, I was I was playing a movie. I felt like I was playing yeah. Lethal Weapon, like this crazy espionage, crazy movie. I was hanging... I, I hated reading Nintendo games. Like, that's what I used to say is like, oh, I don't want to read... I don't want to read a game today. I want to play a game. So having those voiceovers and like the codex and like all this stuff, it just completely blew my mind. And that, you know, it was really from, all right. So my my dad in, in 2000, he, it was either 2000 or 2001. I don't remember a hundred percent, but he got a job working for a independent bottling company that bottles Pepsi products. And, at this at this time, the Tomb Raider movie was coming out, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, and they were mm-hmm. running a promotion where the two liter bottles had a Tomb Raider label on it, and th- some of the labels would have a PlayStation Two. You would win a PlayStation Two, and his boss called him into the office and gave him one of these labels. He said, "I know you have kids, wh- whatever it is." So my brother actually purchased um, the PlayStation 2 for like $600 because it was impossible to find. Right. And But my dad came home with this label. We mailed it out. It came back like six weeks later. I got this for free PlayStation 2. And that was like my baby. Like I, my God, playing Madden on that thing. But anyway, my parents, uh, these are just weird memories that just, it's the reason why this system or this ecosystem or this this company this brand is in, is in my heart my parents remodeled the basement in their house and the first thing i did in that basement was 
I hooked up my PlayStation 2, and I played Metal Gear Solid 2 for the first time. In that basement, there was a little couch, and I had this CR, this big 30-some-odd-inch, I think it was like a 40, maybe a 40, yeah, probably 40-inch CRT TV. And I'm sitting there playing Metal Gear Solid 2, and I was just remember that just that feeling of awe that I was that I felt like I was a part of something that was magical it's it's how I imagine my brother felt when he got a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo and when PS3 came out that's when it hit a fever pitch because I because of how ingrained I was in that in that system and how much love I had for the games that I was playing I was a day one PS3 guy, I spent $740 on the console, a game, and a controller, and um, I brought that system home, I played Resistance, I had still had a CRT TV, still didn't have a, an HD TV, but played Resistance, and, you know, I, I, I was in love, you know, all over again, but I was in, I was trying to validate that purchase, because that was a lot of money. And I knew that they were struggling, but I didn't want to admit it. And that's where it, it, it became kind of sick to be that much of a fanboy of something. And it wasn't until years later, really maybe just prior to the PS4 launch, that I realized that it's, it isn't a good, it's not a good thing to be a blind fanboy of, of things like that. And I've been able to open my heart. I, I've I've had a, an Xbox 360. I didn't play play it a lot, but I played Fable and I played uh, Left for Dead and you know stuff like that. And that was the main place I played Call of Duty because my friends were playing it on there. And but for, for PlayStation, man, I it's almost like every major memory I have is of Metal Gear. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2, like I said, was when my parents renovated the basement. But um, Metal Gear Solid 4 was... <laughs> that was when I first got an HDTV. I just... F for me, it's just... It's always been there. It's been my... My my crutch through times of... Of... Pain. And, and like... Growing up, like I, almost every major aspect of my life revolved at some point around the PlayStation console. Ten years old, first PlayStation. Starting high school, PlayStation Two. You know, uh, my first long-term relationship that she helped me buy a PS3. I my wife bought me my PS4. It's like they're always. It's always been a part of me, and. I guess that's why I defend it a little bit more fervently than I do anything else. Yeah, I mean, the 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 thing is, when people defend consoles, like I, I just said this on spoilers uh, to Kalai, and you know, I feel a little bad when I say this stuff to people, but Kalai to me is a blind Nintendo fangirl, and it's just by her. You know, things she said, you know, and maybe I'm wrong for saying that. And excuse listeners, uh, as, you know, if you hear weird sounds, because I'm actually trying to sync up my goal light. Because just remind all the hockey talk, I had a conversation. Um, 
But uh, to be a blind fanboy or fangirl, I think it's just stupid because it's it's no matter who at its best, like it's it's well, literally being closed minded to to other things. It well, not even that, but it's just. If if you're not critical of things and you just blindly say, yes, this is the greatest game ever, as many problems as I had with Breath of the Wild, if you don't admit the flaws of Breath of the Wild, Nintendo never knows that and they will never try to fix that because of the fact that, like, well, yeah, Tricky, you had a problem with Breath of the Wild, but these million people over here didn't. So... Maybe Zelda's no longer for you. You know what I'm saying? If you can't admit what's wrong, like if you can't say to Microsoft right now, we don't want your games to go to PC. We want them to stay on the console. Give us a reason to spend $500 on the Xbox One X in November. You know, right now, there's no reason because you could take that same $500 and go buy a desktop. PC and be able to play every game. There's no reason to buy an Xbox One X right now. Sorry, hold on. Vamp for a second. I gotta find my screwdriver. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, without getting too in the rabbit hole, I think the it's it's a it's a very human thing to do to latch onto something. Because you, it, it helps complete your identity. It's this. It's the reason why we have identity politics. It's the reason why we have left and we have right. We don't have, you know, you're not allowed to be one and also the other. And that's a very human thing to do. It's it's very, you know, you're a hunter and you're a gatherer, or you're a, you know, a homemaker, or you're, you know, it's just it's it's how we as human beings have evolved to have these roles and to have these loyalties it's it's how kingdoms started it's why there's leaders of anything it's just a it's a it's a primal desire to belong to a society and because we are in a society because we are a very a a highly civilized um race the you know the human race homo sapiens we're so we're so highly civilized that these are the thing the new desire these are the new desire to be civilized it's 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 the reason why you join a facebook group for playstation it's a reason why you join a facebook group for you know this website that you follow you know whatever it is you're doing that to belong in something because we have an, an innate desire and and literal need to to have that and i don't fault somebody when they have blind loyalty to something because i understand that i've been there um what i do fault is when somebody has the the and it's typically it is the uninformed and it is the immature that are not able to have that argument without putting down the other thing that to me is counterproductive. That is the same thing that people do, that grown adults do politically, or you know, when, when people have arguments about religion, they whatever it is, they they attack, they attack, attack, attack. When you learn to truly love your identity, 
then you can defend your identity. You can defend what makes you who you are without making somebody else feel shitty about themselves. And that was a big promise that I made. That That's kind of the reason why I didn't pursue a video game journalism or a podcast or anything like that um, when I was in that space because I was not able to d- draw that line in the sand and say, here's who I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be this person that's going to kick somebody out of my... I-, I literally kicked one of my best friends out of my house because he said my PS3 was shit. Like, that's completely stupid. <laughs> but I did it. I grabbed him by his collar and I threw him out of my house. Now... I mean, and who could blame you, really? <laughs> but, you know, but as an adult, I realize it's a very natural thing. It's a very... It's a very necessary thing for us to cling to to things that make us feel like we are part of a society. And it helps us with our deepest identity issues. And going back to what you said, Kalai, yeah, she, she may be a, a, a blind Nintendo fangirl. But I also, I trust in her that she can be critical of of those products. I've had conversations where she's, you know, expressed the things that she doesn't like about breath of the wild, but the thing that the switch that I think that you're looking for, the thing that no pun intended, but that, that I was going to ask you if that was a pun, (laughs) the, the light switch you're looking for is the aha moment of, Hey, yeah, this thing does have flaws, but to me, to me, like you said in the spoiler cast to me, it doesn't get any better than this experience. And I, it's okay that you don't that you don't agree with me. That's fine. You're wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> and I, I use the phrase: you can either agree with me or be wrong. It's your choice. Yeah, it's you totally have the choice. Um, and I think that's a distinction that a lot of, especially our, you know, even our listeners, if they're still listening after a half an hour of Rangers talk, <laughs> you know. And again, that's your choice. You can turn off the podcast. But what I what I beg my you know what i beg any anybody that that looks at me as a uh enter, you know entertainment figure or whatever it is i know i'm not i'm not huge i know that but if i could affect one person and have one person say huge. treat treat another person a little bit better even if it's something as trivial as their fanboy loyalties i i think that's I think that's something that I that I like to to push for. Uh, you know. Well, you you kind of touched on it a little bit, and you know, one of my golden rules on. I'm trying not to make noise. I'm making. Am I making too much noise with my batteries? Um, me. Yeah, it might be bothering the listeners. Listeners, I'm really sorry. I'm just. I, like I get this in my head, and like this, goal light not working, it really bothers me. <laughs> like. Anybody that's a Trophy S fan, they, uh, they've heard this goal horn go off while we're recording. So, um, I, I forgot what I was going to say now. I largely, I touched on a, on a point and then that was really what you said. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying, what I was going to say. Nah, it's all right. Uh, but I mean. Oh, you have a golden rule. You have a golden rule. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I have a golden rule on uh, Proving Gamer is that we don't discuss uh, three topics. We don't discuss po- politics. We don't, de- uh, we don't discuss religion. And we uh, don't discuss racism. Uh, unless 
we have a topic that directly affects uh, one of those situations. Uh, case in point, uh, Trump comes out tomorrow and says he's banning all video games. Then, obviously, we can have a discussion about Trump's policies, but in no way, shape, or form needs to turn into a uh, I hate Trump conversation. And you kind of touched on the point of, uh, you know, we have a two-party system and whatnot. And I think that's a good analogy because in life, um, like, I call myself a conservative, which, uh, if anybody that knows, that that leans towards Republican. Um, And I don't say that for people to hate me um, because I'm not a supporter of Trump. Like, that's just the fact of the line. Um, Some things I think that Trump wants to do is is good in theory, but he just badly, and I mean badly, tries to execute every single thing he tries to do. Um, But, like I said, I don't want to go down that path. The point I'm making with this is that even though we love something doesn't mean... That we have to blindly support it. And that's kind of where I was going with with the um, the conversation is I'm a Republican, but that doesn't mean I blindly follow Trump. You know, there's things that I want to accomplish in, uh, in this world. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. No, it's all right. No, I finally got the matters in. I mean, yeah, that's our point. And, and, I mean, that's the point I'm trying to make is that as you, you know, I'm sure some of our listeners are teenagers. They don't know what their identity is. They don't know, you know, h- how they're going to function in a political world. They may have an idea. They may not. But for now, use this whole console thing as your allegory and understand that it's way better to talk to the other side to to befriend the Xbox fanboys and Nintendo fanboys and, and do it with... Tricky Mick did and, and start a website that covers it all and have an open discussion on various topics and and you may not agree with people but you don't as long as you don't put blind faith in what you uh f- what you feel is is right and you don't put blind hate in what you think is wrong it, it makes it makes every everything better it makes the world a better place for you know if you want to get like kind of cliche about it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm about to raise now two kids in this world and there's a lot of hate out there. And the last thing I want there to be hate in when they're growing up is their toys. You know, I don't, they, you know, when I was a kid, we had, uh, Power Rangers versus Beetleborgs, whatever the hell those things were. You know, there's always Transformers versus Animorphs, not Animorphs, uh, Beast Wars. There, you know, there was always those stupid little rivalries, but it it was fun. It was childish, and I, I just I hope that we keep it fun and and goofy and and don't take things so seriously because there's just so much vile, disgusting, just hate, and I think that has a lot to do with the anonymity of the internet. Um, well, yeah, it's also. Yeah, absolutely. It gives people a voice where they can say the most vile shit in the world and they don't have to worry about the repercussions because who's going to find them? Who's going to be able to 
say things. Right. I, I've, I've had hate mail on Trophy Horse. People, you know, have said some really, and I mean really, disgusting things to the point where somebody actually threatened to, uh, <coughs> threatened to sexually assault my daughter because I called the Xbox the X-Bone. <laughs> and... Yeah. I'm not going to repeat the comment that the person made to me. That's ridiculous. But um, it it was something along the lines of, uh, I'll show your daughter a bone. Mm. And um, <laughs> what people need to understand in this world, I mean, whether it's about video games, it's about politics, it's about sports, whatever the hell it is, you're free to think any way you want. You're free to express how you feel. But when you say or do stuff that impacts other people, that's where you're crossing the line. Yep. Like, I can I can tell an Islanders fan to their face that the Islanders suck. I can tell my grandmother the devil suck. <laughs> but when she smacks me for it, she's crossing the line. But... Nobody's going to report grandma, so grandma's good to go. Right. You know, uh, we're we're both big Italian people, uh, and I, I we both can uh, can attest to uh, when it comes to Sunday dinners, you are not to be missing. You need to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that that's what makes the whole recording trophy horse thing even more difficult because i live next door to my parents well you made that choice sir <laughs> what do you what do you what do you talk you you think you're raymond barone what do you think what's <laughs> going on exactly, here? exactly that's exactly what it is yes that's exactly what it is my my parents aren't bad though they they get a you know they take the kid and does your brother live with your mother too what's that no no, does, no 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 he does, doesn't no 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 that was me actually <laughs> i i lived in my parents basement for for two different times while I was getting my act together. But, no, I'm... I, All right, well, I mean, I, I kind of got distracted uh, trying to get the light going. It couldn't get going, so I'm, I'm back focused now. Well, uh, I think I think this has been a pretty eye-opening... Or not eye-opening, but it, it's, a, it's been a very um, therapeutic session, I would say. Well, I, I, I want to say one thing, which is also going to lead us into... Uh, possibly lead us into a conversation but i'm i'm hoping it really doesn't um i really have not been following the news uh of the last couple days um so what i've said today and the fact that i have now openly said that i am a conservative and i'm a republican um with everything that's going on in charlottesville and everything going on across the world um, please be mindful that I still am a human being. I still have feelings. I still have concerns. And if you want to discuss something, uh, I, I welcome the conversation. But on the same token, please don't attack me because, you know, of the way I feel politically. Just because of the way I feel politically does not mean that I agree with everything that's going on. You know, typically uh, Republicans don't believe in abortion. I do believe in abortion. Uh, Republicans don't believe in gays and gay marriage and all that other stuff. And 
I fully believe in well, gay marriage. Not all of them, but yeah, it's gen- you, the the cliche is yes. Yeah, I, yeah. well, I'm again, I'm talking know, stereotypes, but the the point I being is, I just don't is, want your word that, being twisted and then us getting fifteen emails. Right. Um, so, you know, no matter how anybody feels, no how uh, politically or you know ethically, I guess is a good word. You know, love each other. And support each other, you know. Listen I'm to not, each other. Listen. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not religious in any way, shape, or form. Um, but there's a, a a phrase that I believe is a, a biblical phrase: "Is love thy neighbor." Love thy neighbor. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. So, with that being said, let's close out this fireside chat. Um, Stephen, I thank you very much. I I know you're a very busy man. You have sat with me for the last. Three and a half hours doing podcasting uh, with a newborn baby girl. I have fun doing uh, this. It's my way to escape all the crap going on around me. So yeah, I enjoy it. I, 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 I think like there's a big part of you right now that wants to end the show because you're done podcasting, but there's a big part of you that wants to keep talking because you got to go back to working that night shift. Yeah, definitely. It's almost feeding yeah. time at the zoo. Uh. Also, I'm going to say uh, the Play NYC event that I went to, absolute dog shit. <laughs> but we'll get into that on episode 315. And uh, just so you know, and I'm giving you the heads up, Steven, I'm putting you on the spot now. Okay. Well, I'm putting you on a two-week spot right now. Okay. You have two weeks to prepare for this. For episode 316? What? Yes. <laughs> I want your best Stone Cold impression, and throughout the show, I want what's. No problem. This is this is well within my wheelhouse. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to close out this episode doing an impression, and I'll let you choose the impression. <clears throat> doing any impression? Doing one that we haven't heard already. All right. I don't know if... Did I do my Hulk Hogan? No, uh, we have not done Hulk Hogan. All right, I, I want to make sure I don't spike too much, so I'm going to lower the... And, you, and you're not doing housekeeping proper. You're no. just saying, you know, a, a nice a- outro. Yeah. Step back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, dudes. You've been listening to Trophy Horse Fireside Chat, brother. Steve, you're a good dude, man. I tell you what, you had some really, really, really good points there. You have to love each other, brother. You have to do it, man. If you don't do it, then there's nothing but vile hate, dude. And when there's vile hate, there's wars. And when there's wars, you gotta get in the cage, man. You gotta get in the steel cage, dude. So thank you very much for listening to Trophy Horse, brother. Ooh. That's all I got. And with that being said, until next week, happy trophy hunting.
The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. <laughs> <laughs> 